officials are considering a ban on gas stoves over concerns about the health effects of air pollutants. The very stoves and, and cooktops found in about 40% of American homes. But now, the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission is considering banning gas stoves over concerns about harmful pollutants. They say research links them to asthma, respiratory illnesses. The Association of Home Appliance Manufacturers says a ban on gas stoves would not address the overall issue. They say improving ventilation is a better solution. This is the Rubin Report. It's January 12th, 2023. We're live streaming on Rumble and YouTube. If you have not subscribed to rumble.com slash Rubin Report, go ahead and do that. Uh, tap the notification bell. And I'm told, people, I just got breaking news on my magical light box here right before we started that yesterday was our biggest day ever in views in channel history. Just putting that out there. Biggest day ever. If you're watching today, you're watching history in real time. That's what's going on. We got a big show for you today. We are doing a rubenreport.locals.com community Q&A. Questions are all over the place. A little personal, a little political, social, cultural, all that good stuff. But I wanted to start with a, uh, a quick combination of things. You know, yesterday, we really focused on the positive stuff. And there really is a lot of positive stuff happening right now. As I said, the Republicans are getting balls. That's pretty good. Having balls, generally thought of as a good thing. Whether you're a dude or a chick, having balls now, everybody wants them. So that's good. Uh, obviously, some of the school choice stuff that's happening, fighting against the overreach of government related to COVID and surveillance and, and censorship and all these things, like it's happening throughout the country right now. And we have to make uh, specific markers when those things happen so that we go, oh, look, we talk about these things and then some people step up and good things start happening. Today, we're going to do a quick recap on just some of the general lunacy that's happening amidst that because the craziness is just going to continue. So we're going to talk about lesbians near water. We're going to talk about evil world leaders. We're going to talk about gas stoves and vaccines and a whole bunch more. Uh, let's get right to it, actually. Why not? Uh, as you guys know, there, is, there are these massive uh, rain storms happening all across California right now. And a video of Ellen DeGeneres, America's number one lesbian. She is the top lesbian. I checked this morning. There are several powerful lesbians out there. Obviously, Corinne Jean-Pierre is up on the top 10 lesbian list. Who do you got? Who else is on the top 10? lesbian list. You got your Lori Lightfoot. She's around seven or eight, depending on which list you're looking at. Who else is a big lesbo these days? Who? Is Brittany Griner a lesbo? She seems like a lesbian. Who else? Give me, I want two more lesbians. Give me a lesbian. Give me a lesbian. Um, Ellen's wife. <laughs> Come on, one more big lesbian. Uh, how about, is there an old lesbian we can think of or who? Who? Meredith Baxter Murney. That's a real throwback. You know who she was? She was the mother in uh, not, uh, Family Ties with Michael J. Fox. All right, so the point is lesbians are out there. We can all think what we want about lesbians. Anyway, Ellen's a lesbian. She was also a daytime talk show host, comedian for many years. She's out there in California and there's all these crazy rains and she put up this selfie video in the midst of it right behind her house and she's getting some uh, pushback on some of her thoughts. Take a look. Fire and much life that killed so many people and uh, lost their homes, their lives. 
right, first, before we get to the content of that, I just want to name a couple other lesbians because uh, the guys were on the computer machines checking lesbians while we were doing this. We know what you're doing over there. Uh, Melissa Etheridge, huge lesbian, and I should have said something about her. I'm sorry that one didn't happen. Uh, Come to my window, remember that song? That was what she sang. And Tracy Chapman, who I think also had a song about a window. Lesbians are always looking out windows. Anyway, there's a lot of lesbians out there. The, the, the line, though, that got Ellen on that, and first off, before I just do the funny stuff about this, anyone that's losing property or life or anything up there, it's obviously a humanitarian disaster. I'm not making fun of that to any degree. And even though this is happening in California, while many people were happy when we had you know, natural disasters here in Florida, I, I don't celebrate any of that stuff. The line that people are, are getting her on that uh, is the, at the end there when she said, Mother Nature is angry at us. Uh, as if we have something to do when there are these storms and there are these mudslides and all of these things. I mean, the irony, of course, is that California for the last decade, uh, I moved to California in 2013, and from the day I was there, we were always in the midst of a drought. They would not water the grass. People, I think, uh, what's his name, Tom Selleck, got in a lot of trouble because he was watering his grass one day during the drought. So they, when there's a drought, it's climate change. When it rains too much, it's climate change. Mother nature is angry at us as if we have dominion over everything. Mother nature, you think she was a lesbo? She might've been a lesbian, we do not know. A couple other lesbians, the Indigo Girls, Martina Navratilova and uh, Megan Rapinoe. Tremendous lesbians out there. Anyway, Ellen's getting a lot of pushback on this thing. I think just the reason I wanted to do it is this, this concept that we, that everything revolves around us, the humans. You know, George Carlin did a funny thing about, you know, the line was on climate change. It was like, the earth is gonna be fine. It's the humans that are gonna have problems. It's something like that, that, every, that they all think we have a drought, it's our fault. It rains too much, it's our fault. This, it's our fault, it's our fault. And why do they always talk about this kind of stuff? Or, or why are they always, saying these crazy things that have nothing to do with reality, right? If they only recycled more plastic bags, then it wouldn't rain or it would rain or whatever it might be. Uh, the reason they do is because they are really programmed by a machine to make it seem that, uh, that they are the problem, that somehow we humans are the problem. And if only there was this group of people that were somehow better than us, more enlightened than us, also richer than us. And if they could just meet, say, once a year in a secret place and talk about how we should live our lives, well, then things would be much better. And that is quite literally happening. So here is video of the World Economic Forum's Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab, who is right out of central casting as an 80s Schwarzenegger or Mel Gibson movie villain, uh, here he is talking about all the rich people who are about to get together in Davos and talk about how you should live your life. It is so exciting that at the beginning of the year, we can meet again in person. Only personal interaction creates a necessary level of trust, which we need so much in our fragmented and fractured world. To bring people together for an informal dialogue in a remote Swiss village such as Davos can be or should be a good recipe to restore trust. Central Casting 101 with this guy. If you were coming up with a bad guy to lead the elites in a movie that the action hero was gonna have to bust in and take care of business at the end, it would be Klaus 
Schwab. So you see, they make us think that the weather is coming to kill all of us. They make us think that COVID is coming to kill all of us, et cetera, et cetera. And somehow they will meet in a remote, I like how he said it has to be in a remote village. I mean, we can't just do this, you know, just where people are hanging out. They have to be in a remote village where they will have an informal dialogue. Yes, it'll be very informal over foie gras and champagne as they discuss the policies that they will institute in our governments as if they have any control over our governments. Now they do, they should not, but they do. Uh, the guy's evil. The guy is absolutely evil. But what are the solutions that globalists come up with? Do they come up with solutions that free more people, that help you figure out, you know, or help create the conditions so that you can live your life as you see fit? Is that what they're interested in doing? Are they interested in, say, spreading capitalism, which of course is the idea that we can all together rise together because of competition and human ingenuity and individual thought and all of that stuff? Is, is it that what they're pushing on us? Or is it always about taking something away, whether that's your ability to go outside or your right to medical privacy, or perhaps even to cook on a simple gas stove? Gas stoves could soon get 86th from kitchens across the country going forward. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commissioner is considering a ban on the appliances for new builds. Uh, it says those appliances can be a source of indoor pollution sometimes linked to childhood asthma. Question. But also the gas, no gas lines in new construction. Is that about fossil fuels or is it about... Sorry, I'm getting in trouble. No, well, no, that's okay. that's short answer. It's about climate change okay. because right. methane is 80 times more powerful right. than CO2 when it comes to heating up the planet. Right. So big time, but, but in small spaces, it's personal health. Okay. It is an incredible moment that happened there on CNN. You know, I've often talked to you guys about how, so I have a thing in my ear when I do this show. It's not because anyone's talking to me or telling me what to do. It's so that when we play those videos so that we don't get feedback, I can actually hear the videos. So as you're watching them live, I can hear them through here. Now she, the host of CNN over there, she's getting information as she's talking, right? They're telling her what to say or they're telling her not what to say. She was getting in trouble? What, what? Also, the fact that CNN is now doing stories on the problems with gas stoves. They, it's funny, they weren't doing it last week, but suddenly the Democrats and the machine want to go after your gas stove. So now CNN starts telling you about all the problems with gas stoves. I want to be very clear. You motherfuckers. Are, sorry, Chris, and now we're getting demonetized. Ah, I did it. No lunch for anybody. Uh, you're, you're never coming for my gas stove. When we moved here to Florida, the street that I live on does not have uh, natural gas to each of the houses. So we had an electric stove here. David is a great chef. I talked about this yesterday. I've gotten actually pretty good myself. I really enjoy cooking now. And cooking on an electric stove is not fun. It is mechanical and technical. There's no feel for it. There, that's why no chef go to any restaurant, any great restaurant, go to any mediocre restaurant, basically go to any restaurant on earth and they're cooking with fire. You know, people have been cooking for fire for a long time. The cavemen, it was a long time ago. They were cooking with fire fire good, okay? Uh, you are not coming. The first thing we did was uh, we removed that electric thing. We tr tried to figure out if there was a way to do some like crazy, crazy thing to get gas to the house. Couldn't do that, but we got propane, buried a tank outside, and now we have fire, and that's what we're cooking with, and you ain't coming for it. I'll have more on that in just a second, but what they do is everything. They want you to be afraid of everything. So this video uh, this is from about a year and a half ago. This is making the rounds again. And uh, by, by golly, I think this might be 
some very influential people sharing misinformation. This is, well, just take a look. And remember, this is from about a year and a half ago. I think you'll recognize these fellows. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Misinformation and lies. The science is clear. It'll protect you and your loved ones. No, it isn't. None of them got in trouble for any of that. They're also social distancing six feet apart as if they didn't shake hands and hug each other right before that. It's all just nonsense. Our world leaders, and whether it's the, whether it's the world leader, leader in quotes, Klaus Schwab, or the former presidents, or the machine that talks in people's ears, while they're supposedly giving the news, I'm getting in trouble. What a bizarre thing to say on the news, I'm getting in trouble. Shouldn't someone be asking who, who said that something to her? Why is she getting in trouble? But that they lie about everything. They could have had Joe Biden up there too. Remember, you, uh, if you get the vaccine, you will got, not get nor transmit COVID. But this is not just an American thing, obviously. This is all over the world. Cue Justin Trudeau just a day or two ago. He's very worried about global authoritarian leaders because obviously irony is dead. The world today is facing a lot of uncertainty with the rise in authoritarian leaders causing global instability and the high cost of living, putting stress on families at home. He is just such a piece of work. We didn't have to dig too deep for this one. Here's just one of the many moments of Justin Trudeau being evil over the last year or so. We are not intimidated by those who hurl insults and abuse at small business workers and steal food from the homeless. We won't give in to those who fly racist flags. We won't cave to those who engage in vandalism. I had to write some of that down. So first off, he's talking about the truckers. The truckers were insulting small business owners. The truckers were small business owners. You, you, you lizard man, you were the one that were locking these people out of their jobs, right? Making sure that their kids couldn't go to school. They were, the, home, the truckers were stealing food from homeless people. Like what in the world does that mean? Generally, homeless people don't have a lot of food. If you were gonna steal food from somebody, you, you'd go to Justin Trudeau's house. Cause no doubt he's got a whole freaking uh, refrigerator full of poutine. You know what poutine is? It's like, a, it's like a gravy that they put on their French fries instead of ketchup, it's wild. Uh, I don't like that guy. I don't like that guy. Uh, but what do we do? And then we'll get to the Q and A in just a sec. What do we do about all this stuff? Uh, well, there are answers. And the answers not only are make sure that we can still communicate with each other honestly and, and do this to the best of our ability, which of course is why I'm doubling down on everything I'm doing with Rumble and Locals, because even though yesterday was our biggest day ever on YouTube, you don't know when they could pull the plug, right? Um, so we have to do that, but we have to communicate with our family and our neighbors and share good information and show people that two years ago we're, we're demanding everyone get vaxxed, that the vaxes aren't working. You know, I, I'm gonna, I'll throw a little conspiracy theory out that I've been thinking about for the last week. And someone, you guys at home, uh, comment on this, please. And I'll check in the locals community, especially. Um, I have a theory now that people who are vaxxed are getting more sick in general than non-vaxxed people. I, I mentioned to you guys how a couple weeks ago I was at a family event. 
I'm not vaxxed. Everyone else there was vaxxed. Literally everybody, aunts, uncles, cousins, sister, people younger than me, older than me. Everyone got COVID. I was the only one not sick, right? Not with symptoms of COVID. I don't think I am Superman, right? I, I like to drink a little water in the morning. I'm doing the best that I can. Try to get out, do a little cardio. You know, I'm doing okay. But I don't even mean with COVID. I think that in general, it seems to me that a lot of people who got vaxxed have been more sick in general. People are getting more sick. I, I don't know, is that a completely crazy conspiracy theory? I'm just putting it there and, and we can revisit that in the future. But uh, one of the guys who is called a crazy conspiracy theorist for a long time is the guy who invented and has more patents on the mRNA vaccine than anyone else, Dr. Robert Malone. And of course, you guys remember Dr. Robert Malone from the, uh, the interview that he did with Joe Rogan, where he talked about what is going on here and he talked about mass formation, psychosis, and a whole bunch more. Uh, he wrote uh, a tweet that I thought was pretty interesting on what a solution to the current problem is. He said, we have to build alternate, alternate systems. We probably can't completely stop them or globalization, but we can choose not to buy their food, take their drugs, or weird vaccines, and we can be in charge of our own health. We can be independent people and communities outside of their hellscape. And that is the guy, ladles and jelly spoons, who basically invented mRNA technology. And he is now telling you, you gotta watch out for this. And you gotta watch out for what all this means and why do they have to meet in a secret remote village in Davos and keep you scared of everything? And why does no one get fired? Why does no one, no one at the CDC has been fired or the NIH has been fired? Why didn't anyone sit George W. Bush down and smack him across the face and say, you lied in that video. You also killed a couple million people unnecessarily in Iraq, but we'll let that one slide. But this seems like a bit much. I think you know why, so it's rhetorical. But anyway, let's do some community questions. Snow Baby says, have you decided to go to, uh, oh, I see. Have you decided on your go-to back in my day story for the boys? Can you share it with us? My dad's favorite story, especially when he was disappointed with us was I had a job when I was eight years old, shoveling shit on the neighbor's farm. So what will be mine? Like, you know, I grew up with, look at you guys, you have everything. I'm a big star. I give you everything and this is how you treat me. Um, I, I'm gonna have to think like, what was the, uh, you know, I, I had to walk to school. We had to walk to school in my day. We did not have buses. I lived about a block away. It was about, it was about a 20 foot walk. I lived right there, but I had to walk to school. These kids are gonna probably get driven to school. Little bastards. Uh, okay. I did have my lean years too. I always tell you guys about when I was doing stand up and like, you know, you make no money or you get a couple bucks or if anything, they give you a beer or whatever. And I was doing all sorts of odd jobs. I was bartending and waiting tables and working for PR companies and handing out shit on the streets and all this stuff. And I had no money, nothing. I, was, I remember going through my buddy's uh, little change jar just to buy a cup of coffee once. But I had a friend who was in food service and he used to bring me industrial sized packets of tuna. They come in these big, well, you'd get them in cans or you get the really big ones in giant, try to picture like a giant, I'm talking like 10 pounds of tuna in like a vacuum sealed thing. And I would just be eating tuna out of that thing day after day, mercury poisoning, it's a miracle I'm here. Alan says, greetings from Melbourne, Australia, the lockdown capital of the world. Ron DeSantis for president and Byron Donalds for Florida governor or vice versa, a win for the USA and Florida. What do you think? 
I'm down, brother. I am, I am completely down with that. Look, the DeSantis thing, I don't know if it's happening, but there's every reason it should happen. Byron Donalds, in my interview with him in DC a couple of weeks ago, he implied that if the governor was to move on to something bigger, that he would be interested in the governorship here in Florida. He obviously has a bright future. And the reason we did the show the way we did yesterday was to show you that he's leveling up at the moment. And he, he's a good, he's a good, decent man, who of course they will tell you is the black face of white supremacy and all that stuff. Real quick on Melbourne, Australia, that was one of my favorite stops on the tour. Well, the whole Australia thing that we did with Jordan, we did about two weeks in Australia, it was absolutely wonderful. Uh, you know, Sydney and Melbourne and Perth. I mean, we, we went all over the country and it's, it's such a freaking massive country. We went to, the capital is, uh, what's the, ca uh, Can Canberra, which is right in the middle of nowhere. Um, we, I just, the, the people of Australia were amazing. It was such, like, there was like a feeling of like, they're like Americans, but like a little more like, just like a little less politically correct actually than Americans, like a little more out there. So that's why it's so disappointing to me what happened in Australia. So I, I hope things turn around over there, I really do. Uh, Larry says, what's your personal belief on what happens when we die? Wow, we're going deep today. Um, how about something like this? I don't think this is it. I don't think this is it. I think it's something a little bit like if you ever saw the movie Defending Your Life, the great Albert Brooks movie with Meryl Streep where uh, he's, a, he's like a record executive or something and he gets in a car accident and the movie is basically about his trial, the trial of his life to see if he moves forward or if he goes back to earth to do it all over again. And I think it's something like that, that you are here to kind of figure out some stuff, maybe do it a little better than you did it last time. Like, I know there's some like reincarnation thing with that. I, I, I don't think this is it. I don't think this is it. And I don't think that, you know, right after this, if you live like the greatest life ever and do it all right, that there's some like just magical Shangri-La or that if you're really bad here that you're gonna spend an eternity in hell. I think it's something about trying, like every time you're here, you have like a little more of an opportunity to do it a little bit better. And I think maybe we all kind of maybe know that too, but to really like stare that down and have that moment of like, whoa, I've got another chance to do it better. Am I gonna actually do it? That's, that's pretty daunting. Something like that. Uh, Kevin says, uh, does David Janet have to ask you to quit walking around the house saying, Luke, I am your father. There is a lot of Luke, I am your father in this house. Uh, we, we've discussed when we're gonna show them Star Wars for the first time. They're not fully speaking English yet. Uh, although uh, Justin is beginning to teeth, seemingly as of last night. So there's some new screeching in the house. Uh, but yes, there will be, although I did say when, uh, when I told you guys that we named him Luke, I didn't want this to be about Star Wars. So we are, uh, he's really named after Uncle Lucas, who was played by Leslie Nielsen in the finale of The Golden Girls Married. Uh, Dorothy ended up moving to Hollingsworth Manor in Georgia. But you guys know that. Uh, Martin says, uh, wouldn't it have been easier for Rachel Levine to change her name from Dick to Dickless. I wish I would have thought of that. Yes, Dickless Levine would make more sense. Although, I d ah, here we go. I gotta, I gotta have you guys Google this. Does Rachel Levine have a wang? You wanna Google this, Phoenix? Man, to go into your guys' search history after working for me. <laughs> like, do, did Rachel Levine do that? So Rachel Levine, who we know is the deputy assistant health secretary, whatever, who wants all these kids to have their nuts chopped off and everything. She was Dick, or he was Dick Levine his whole life. Wait, you gave me a thumbs down, meaning he, wow. 
So Dick Levine is Dick Levine. He did, you know, so that's the one. To me, if you're gonna go ahead and as a, you know, you're gonna be a 40 something year old and be like, I've had it with this penis and then chop that thing off, that's what Caitlyn Jenner did too. Then I'm gonna give you a certain amount of credit. But if you're gonna be like the other one, that Dylan Mulvaney who shows up at the White House just dressed like a chick with a wang and then tell everyone that you're a girl, it's like, no, 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 no. You chop that thing off and then we'll talk. Hope says, what's your best piece of business advice to other business owners? Um, it ain't gonna be easy. It ain't gonna be easy, but just keep going and don't take no for an answer. You just keep going. Remember that clip we showed you, what was that, two or three days ago? That Donald Trump clip about never give up and that you might run into a concrete wall, but you gotta be flexible. You gotta work, know how to do things. Like, I can tell you, having created, created this show, which then we had to create a, a production company around it, which these guys all work for the production company. And then we created Locals, which was the startup that I had to raise funds for, and we had to build a product. And we didn't even, we didn't know what the hell we were doing, honestly. I was just like, can we do something? And then, and then it starts moving, it starts happening. And you gotta spend a lot of time like not thinking about the, the money at the end of the day. Like when we, did, when we did Locals, well, first off, there's no money. Like when you have a startup, there's no money for it. No one gives you money to be like, I would like to take a salary while I'm doing the startup. No, they want you to freaking starve and see how bad you want it. And I didn't fully realize that. So I was, I was also putting some money into Locals and I was working, I mean, at the height of, uh, before we merged with Rumble, I would say probably 60 or 70% of my day, believe it or not, was doing local stuff, whether it was talking to the programmers about the functions we wanted or whether it was raising funds or going to dinners to meet the investors or whatever. And you and I didn't know if it was gonna work. I didn't know if we were gonna ever merge with the company or be acquired and then Rumble ended up going public and it did all work. But there were definitely times in that where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm putting all this money and effort into this thing. I'm trying to fight big tech. Like, is this the craziest adventure ever? But if you believe that, you're building something good, whether that's a tech company or whether you're selling, you know, chapstick or whatever. It's like, you just keep going and going and going and you, you, you will find a way. I, I really believe that you will find a way if you're building something good and you're doing it right and you're working with good people and all that, you will find a way. Uh, Joe says, are there any states in the US that you haven't visited but would like to? Yes, Alaska. I've never been to Alaska. I would love to go to Alaska. I'm more of a warm weather guy, generally speaking, uh, which is why I, I loved Cali for a certain set of reasons and then hated it at the end, but it wasn't because of the weather. And I, I love Florida. And I love the humidity here and the heat and all that stuff. Uh, but I would love to go to Alaska. I'd love to do a cruise up in Alaska and, and go see the salmon and the bears and all that stuff. Um, if anyone is watching in Alaska and you've got some good ideas or a place for me to stay or something like that, I think that would be uh, that would be pretty awesome. As far as the continental United States, I think I've pretty much at least driven through everywhere. You know, we when we moved from New York to Cali in 2013, we did the drive through, stopped in a lot of states, did a lot of bunch of different stuff. I'm trying to think if there's any state that I absolutely have not been to. You know, I don't know that I've been to North Dakota. I've been to South Dakota. Don't think I've been to North Dakota. I guess I'll maybe stop on the way to Alaska. We'll see. Joe says, are there, oh no, we got that one already. Uh, Unida says, uh, Phoenix, you gotta scroll with me here. Scroll. Any updates on the, that's all I got. 
Oh, sorry. All right, the, the scroller's not working over here. I gotta look down there. Any updates on the member intra-messaging feature? Oh, that's on Locals. One of the things that we're gonna try to build out and that we've been working on is I want members on Locals to be able to message each other. Right now, you can, you can message me. Obviously, people are publicly responding to each other. Yes, we're working on Messenger. We're working on the bulk thing. You know, I know a ton of you are asking about that. You know, if you subscribe to me and you subscribe to Viva Fry and Barnes and you subscribe to Scott Adams or Tulsi Gabbard or whoever it might be, eventually, if you're throwing in five or $7 a month to everybody, it does start adding up. I get that. And our goal here, especially my goal here is not that, that my locals community is, is purely a moneymaker for what we're doing. Like, I love that we're obviously making some money on it. I am a capitalist. I believe that if you create something of value, you should get value back for it. Uh, but I really was trying to just create like an actual community online because that was the promise of social media and the internet way back when. Um, so we do want to build out some other features. Like what I really want locals to become is I want everybody to have their own locals community which, will be, which would sort of harken back to the way MySpace or Facebook was intended to be, where you have this little home for yourself where you can post your videos and you can post your, whatever your stuff might be, your, your videos, your pictures, whatever it is. You can have your connections, friends, family, whoever that is. We're not gonna own any of that stuff. We're, we're kind of just renting you the space, right? So you probably have to pay a couple bucks to get in. And then you connect with who you wanna connect with. That, that really is the ultimate goal. And then have have a uh, encrypted messenger and a whole bunch more. Trust me guys, it takes a while to build stuff out. We also have some of the locals team working on some of the Rumble features right now. And as some of you might've seen, uh, Rumble has a new UI, which is out right now, which is much sleeker. And we're working on a whole bunch more related to that. We also now, just in the last week or so, uh, some of you that are watching on locals right now, we can embed the Rumble link into locals right now and you can watch the show right in there, which that's new. So trust me, we're building out these things. Like these guys are working hard. And on top of everything else, most of our programmers on the local side were in Ukraine. Uh, so when the war broke out, uh, we helped some of them move to some other places. Some of them were just in the United States for a little bit. We're working on visas and a whole bunch of other things. So like, there's a lot of stuff here, but we're, we're working hard. I should say they're working hard mostly. Uh, you know, I'm kind of guiding a little bit from the way I can, but there are guys that are you know spending all day on this stuff. Uh, Lewin says, have you seen Jordan Peterson's Exodus series? It's freaking phenomenal. Yes, I have. I've seen most of it. It is absolutely wonderful. Uh, I actually sent Jordan an email a day or two ago. I said, he's, he's doing the best work he's ever done. You know, we play a lot of Jordan clips on this show, obviously, because I think so, so much of what he's talking about at a, at a psychological and, and cultural level is related directly to our politics, right? That and it sort of connects to what I was talking about, about the afterlife before, like, like your life here and now, and what is your purpose? What is the point of being here? And it is to, to slay that dragon and to go to that star and all of those things. Uh, but the biblical stuff has been absolutely phenomenal. They're taping a whole bunch more right now, uh, I think this week in Florida. So I'm gonna see Jordan a couple times uh, over the next week or so. And uh, it's just great to have him back and firing at all cylinders and, and doing good stuff. And as I mentioned, I think maybe two weeks ago or so, uh, you know, I think what Jordan did, you know, when he had those series of debates about belief with Sam Harris, I think Jordan in many ways, uh, it's not that you ever put an end to that debate, but in the, the internet realm that we all live in, it's like he really won those debates that, that belief and meaning are deeply tied together. And without that, without that, uh, 
society starts getting all screwy. I know I had a couple uh, people in the atheist community kind of an angry at me when I said that a few weeks ago. I don't mean that every, of course, there are great atheists, obviously, obviously. Uh, my buddy Pete Bogosian is gonna be on. We're gonna do it live in Miami in, in two or three weeks, and we're gonna talk all about that. And he wrote a book, A Manual to Create Atheists, A Manual for Creating Atheists. So I don't mean that. I mean that, the, that ultimately, uh, as these systems work, if you just try to take out systems that roughly work, you better be ready to replace it with a better system. And lack of belief is not a system. So there you go. Uh, Rich says, Dave, I live in Northport, Florida. I lived in Northport, Florida for 10 years. We love visiting Sanibel. How are the loved ones doing down there? And did the Island Cow survive? So the Island Cow was a great little diner right on Periwinkle, which is the, there's really only one main road in Sanibel. And it was about halfway right smack dab in the middle of the island. Believe it or not, if you did not hear this, I guess you did not. Uh, island Cow burned down uh, about a month or two before the hurricane. Uh, there was, a, I think, a grease fire in the kitchen and it burned down. Uh, so when I went to Sanibel a couple weeks ago, I went with my dad to, to check out their condo and we had to take pictures for insurance and we went around the island and I have a couple friends that are on the island now and it's, it's slowly coming back to life. Actually, as of January 2nd, the island is now open to public traffic. So it, it was, you know, they rebuilt the causeway unbelievably fast. It was, it was absolutely incredible. And, and one of the reasons I'm so proud to be a Floridian, like they just cut the red tape and they rebuilt this massive roadway that connects Sanibel and Captiva to the mainland. You couldn't even tell where the new parts were. I mean, it was really, really incredible. Uh, but we went to my parents' place, check that out. You know, there's still garbage on the streets, but they've cleaned up an awful lot. There is electricity, there's running water. There were a couple of restaurants that were open. Um, I made sure to take care of everybody that waited on us. Like these people are, their lives have been just absolutely upended. Um, but it's getting better there. It's getting better there. We also drove around Fort Myers and you know, Sanibel as a, as a barrier island, you know, it's, it's people that are mostly middle class. There, there's definitely some lower middle class there, but it's middle class and upper class, upper middle class, let's say there. It's not like ultra exclusive, like West Palm Beach kind of thing, but it's, it's, you gotta have a little scratch to live on an island like that. We drove through Fort Myers where, you know, there's a lot of trailer park communities, a lot of like, you know, very, very small two bedroom, one bathroom houses that were absolutely demolished. So there is a lot of work that has to be done. Um, but it's not just seeing the, when you see these buildings that are absolutely destroyed, which obviously is, is upsetting and you, you think that, you know, that was somebody's home or whatever it might be. But when you see the amount of nature that was destroyed because Southwest Florida is so filled with, with beautiful nature and animals and birds and all this stuff. And you see these trees that have probably been there for 200 years that are, that are basically, you know, L-shaped and, and crushed and, but stuff, you know, Jeff Goldblum, Jurassic Park, life finds a way and stuff starts turning green again and they'll rebuild some of the, the coast, you know, the, the, uh, all the barrier areas and like good stuff will happen. So, uh, I hope to get down there again over the next couple of weeks. My dad's gonna come back down. We're gonna see what we can do to help. And eventually we will do that fundraiser there. Uh, we just didn't feel it was appropriate while there was just such chaos there, but we will absolutely do it. I've already talked to Byron Donalds about it. As I've mentioned, he's the, uh, the congressman over there in Southwest Florida. And uh, there's work to be done, but they will do it here in the free state of Florida. Uh, what Dave says, when will Davina make another appearance on The View? It's been too long. Do we have a little B-roll of Davina? There she is, great woman. We were talking about lesbians earlier. She would, she could have been a lesbian, maybe, sorta. 
that was Davina. That was uh, one of my many characters. I did take an acting class for about three weeks in probably 2004. I've mentioned one of the people in my acting class was my, my friend who I was doing stand-up with, uh, Melissa Rausch, who is, she was uh, Bernadette on The Big Bang Theory. And I think her new show is coming out this week. Uh, she's, they're doing a reboot of Night Court. Did you hear about this? On NBC, a reboot of Night Court. She plays Harry's, the, the judge, Harry. She plays his, uh, his daughter. John Larroquette's in it, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, obviously I'm an incredible actor. One, one more time with the video there. Uh, look at this woman. Uh, she was very upset with Whoopi and Joy right there. When will she make a return? Do we know where that wig is? Daphne, you're in charge of the Ruben Report wigs. Where's the wig? All right, we're gonna find that wig. She'll be back, baby. Uh, Elizabeth says, how did you know you wanted to marry David? Um, well, I've talked about this a little bit before. You know, I, I'm 46. I grew up in a time that there, there, gay marriage was not a thing. I just sort of thought I could live my life like kind of on the DL or maybe marry a woman or something, something. And then over time as, as like gay and I hate, I, that's why I never, I don't like all the LGBT community or any of that stuff. Like I have nothing to do with any of those people. But then sort of gay became normal, right? Like you could be an adult and be gay and nobody really cared. And if you were a decent person, that would be good enough. And that's really all anyone should expect or ask for, as that became normal and I became more okay with myself. Then I met David and he's a little younger than me and he grew up in a time where it was, it was already okay. So when we were hanging out and you know going to dinners and whatever and he'd be talking about that he wants to get married one day, he wants to have kids one day and I was like, that's nuts, like I never thought about that. And I was also so deep in my career as stand-up and starting to do podcasting, all these things, I was giving everything I had to that. You know, and I think that that's, uh, I think that's what happens uh, in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like if you're, if you're kind of screwed up on whatever your personal stuff is, you can, f you can basically sublimate a lot of that into a very successful career in a lot of ways because you can put all of that there as opposed to having more holistic approach to your personal life and your professional life and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but he was, he was always like, yeah, of course I'm gonna get married and I'm gonna have kids and live in the suburbs and blah, blah, blah. And I really thought it was nuts, but then over time we were together for years. We've been together for, 14 years now, we've, we've got married in 2015, so we've been married for eight years basically. Um, and now I see like we put those pieces together. I think at one point to directly answer your question, I, I don't remember exactly where I was, but I remember thinking like, it's not gonna get better than this. Like if, if I screw this one up, and I'd screwed up some other relationships in the past, like if I screwed this one up, like it's fully on me. And I think that kind of was the moment, like, you know, and I think most people get that. like. You're with somebody, now, I don't care if it's a dude or a chick or a donkey, whatever. Now they're gonna go, at, no, no donkeys. Don't do it with donkeys, that's the message today. But whether you're a dude with a dude or a dude with a chick or a chick with a dude or a chick with a chick and you're standing by a river complaining about climate change, whatever it is, um, at some point you look somebody in the eyes and, and it's like, all right, that like, I, if I screw this up, this one's fully on me because this is a great person and that's really how it happened. Uh, Gracie says, I think it would be really nice to have a field trip to some house debate with the locals community. Oh, I love this idea uh, because I'm totally in. I can't get to Florida for the community meet and greet. It would be a fun day to watch the house and have lunch. Not to mention it's safer to go to DC in numbers with all the tent cities, which I swear get bigger time, uh, get bigger every time I drive by there. That's a great idea. So I mentioned on the show yesterday that McCarthy is, has announced that as Congress gets back to session, they are gonna open up the house again. They are gonna let people in those upper rafters up there to watch the debates, to be there. 
Uh, I absolutely love this idea. We will definitely do this next time we're in DC when we set up a whole bunch of interviews. We'll spend a couple of days and I would love to get, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do some special stuff for the locals community, but like just get people there and we can all go together and we'll do some, some big lunch or dinner or something. Uh, I think that would be absolutely fantastic. We could maybe do a big talk. I always say how the, the monument that I like the most um, is sort of the least thought of monument. There's the Jefferson Memorial, which is really off the beaten path. Cause if you're at the mall there, you know, it's a sort of straight shot. You got the Capitol right there and then the Washington monument and you have the Vietnam War Memorial right there and, uh, and Lincoln Memorial. They're all kind of right connected, but the Jefferson Memorial is off a little bit. And it's, it's really this, this awesome, uh, extraordinarily massive uh, stone building where they have these great writings of Jefferson on the wall. It's, it's really, uh, it's just great. I think I'm gonna sneeze. Well, I think I got it. I got a little allergies the last couple of days. That's, uh, that's new for me, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a new Floridian here. Uh, Tony says, now that preparations are being made to get Kim K out of California and into Florida, to be clear, once again, that's not Kim Kardashian. We have a locals community member named Kim K who we're helping move from Cali to Florida. Are we starting up a new collection? How can uh, we community members donate to help to get another person out? So first off, I'll tell you, I had a uh, Zoom call with Kim K uh, two days ago. And Kim, if you're watching right now, Kim lives in California. She's wanted to get out for a long time. She, she liked being there for a while. Very similar story to me, actually. COVID kind of made her go crazy there. She runs by herself an animal shelter uh, she's got, I think, six dogs at the moment. I bet I met a bunch of dogs and I think there's some cats there too. And she's trying to figure out how to get out. She was actually in LA at first. Now she's a little bit more of the suburbs. So we had a, we had a great chat. She has a few things she has to figure out in terms of how she want, where she wants to be and everything else. And then we'll figure out how specifically I can help her, whether that's getting in a truck myself and driving the dogs cross country, which actually sounds like a lot of fun or completely psychotic or, or how we're going to help financially and everything. So we'll have more on that. Uh, as far as like a, a, sounds like you want to do like a GoFundMe or something to help some other people. I think there's something, there's something interesting there. Let me, let me think about that a little bit, but yeah, we haven't been doing the jar since then. I want to see how much help she actually needs and then, and then we'll go from there. And our final question of the day, uh, Amy says, in your opinion, who has worse drivers, LA or Miami? This one is tough. This one is tough. Daphne's saying Miami. What, what do you, I want to get all your opinions before I get, you think Miami for sure? What do you think? Crazier drivers in Miami? Miami, the thing about Miami drivers is, first off, I've said this before, we have so many different cultures here, people from so many different parts of the world. Miami is, is the most international city, I think, in the United States. That all the people that come here, they bring their own traditions and foods and ways of speaking and languages and all those things, but they also bring their own driving traditions. And I have to say that in a lot of the Latin countries, and we've got a lot of Venezuelans and Cubans in it, these guys are driving with one hand, looking at the phone, speaking in Spanish. They're, I mean, they're, you know, like halfway through the light, making a left. They don't care. They're this, that, you know. Then, of course, you have to deal with the, the iguanas falling out of the sky when it's a little chillier here. Um, it's a, yeah, it's probably a little crazier here. Uh, the thing is LA, LA, you'd get on that four, what was it? The four, 405, right? The LA, you get on the 405 and people are out to kill you. Here, it doesn't seem like people are trying to kill you. They're just like living their own life, listening to their music really loud, going to party. That's more of the Miami attitude. LA, they want to kill you and everyone you know, and themselves. <laughs> I don't miss LA at all. 
Uh, guys, I hope you enjoyed the community Q&A. If you want to take part next time, join us at rubenreport.locals.com. Part two of my interview with Tulsi Gabbard is up across platforms, full things up already at Locals, uh, obviously ad-free. Uh, we leave you with our cold close. I think you'll recognize this guy. I apologize in advance. And are we doing a post-game? We do a post-game show on Thursdays, yeah. I'll be back in, as I always say, 42 seconds. Uh, we know that the president has made... Uh probably over a thousand false statements uh, about the Russia issues. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.